Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week we started um, this part of uh, the message. If you got notes this morning in your bulletin, uh, you'll see that point number one's already filled out, and a very important point uh, that we went through, unity is the recipe for power. And uh, w- what we talked about was that strength was found in unity. And again, that's all throughout Scripture. There's no question about it. But one of the things that we talked about was this. Without Christ or without unity with Christ, there is only enmity with Christ. If we are in unity with Christ, uh, then we are set against him. And in Jesus, again, we saw these, uh, these teachings that he gave And it was very important. He said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Uh, If you're not gathering with me, you're scattering. And uh, some some very difficult words because basically he's saying there's two sides. And again, you're either either helping gather people into the kingdom of God or you're on the other side helping the enemy and scattering the lost even more. Again, that's that's difficult for, let me say this, for a, a casual Christian to hear. Uh, somebody who's not very interested in engaging the kingdom of God and, and being a, a representative, ambassador that every ch- single Christian is called to be, that can be hard to hear. So wait a second. Just because I'm not a part of helping people get to heaven doesn't necessarily mean I'm trying to help the enemy. That's not necessarily what you're trying to do. But Jesus said, if you're not helping me, you're hurting me. If you're not helping the kingdom, gain gain more people because again remember what Jesus's desire is his will he's not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance so much so that God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life and so again that's God's desire he doesn't want anybody to go to hell he doesn't want anybody to spend eternity in the lake of fire a place reserved for Satan and his demons God doesn't want that so much that he did only what God could do to pay the price for our sin And so, again, that's God's desire. Now, leaving his church, his children, his family on this earth that's riddled with sin, that's that's covered in darkness, his desire is to use us as his family, to use us as his children, to use us as as ambassadors, to shine the light of the glorious gospel on those who are in darkness so that they won't be blinded by that darkness forever, that they could be saved too, that they could too spend eternity in heaven having everlasting life with everybody else who believes. And so, again, it's so vital for us to understand we've got to be unified with Christ. We've got to be unified with the program of the church, with the program which is God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. Um, Again, we're either helping build that kingdom or in disobedience, lack of involvement. This is harsh, but it's reality. Helping destroy it. Again, that's what Jesus said. There's two sides. You're either helping me build it and gather or you're helping the enemy destroy and scatter. That's, that's the reality. That's, that's not my opinion. That's not my teaching. That's Jesus' teaching. Again, it's, it's, not, uh, it's easy to go to heaven as far as we're concerned because the Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith. All we have to do is turn our back on sin, surrender, and, and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, his death on the cross, his resurrection, trusting in him alone for salvation. Now, that, that means that we, don't, we can't do anything. We can never do anything good enough, enough good works to go to heaven. We, we can't do it. 
So as far as going to heaven, the, the process of grace and faith is so simple in human terms. Of course, we know it, it was heaven's cost that afforded us that. But man, now that we, if, if you're there, you say, yeah, I've done that. If you're there, we, we, we've got to get in unity with God. We have, we've got to, we're not here to be on this earth full of darkness and sin to be wasting our days trying to just live for this world. We're here for an eternal purpose. And listen, church, you and I have got to grab hold of that. Every day that we open our eyes and we wake up and our lungs fill with air, we've got to realize God still has an eternal purpose for my existence here now. And it's for his glory, for his purpose. Not for my glory, not for my kingdom, not for my purposes, not for my stuff, but for God's glory. And so every day we wake up, we've got to say, all right, Lord, I want to be on the page with you. I want to be on page with what you've called me. As a member of your church, what we're supposed to be, I want to be in, in line with that. I want to be unified with that. Make me a vessel today. Help me be an instrument for you today. Help me be the ambassador for you today. Help me shine the light for you today. I want to be in unity. Again, it takes a deliberate choice of ours every single day, a surrender, a sacrifice of our own desires and wants, uh, and surrender to his. But it's only through what we saw last week, it's only through that unity, that unity of identity, that unity of purpose, that unity of mission, that we can see power and victory in our lives. And we talked about even in the home this weekend, we had our men's retreat, and um, there, there were several different breakouts uh, yesterday, uh, but there were a couple of main ones in the chapel, and, and one was being a mountain man husband, and the other one was being a mountain man dad. Uh, we're talking about being men uh, of God, and, and, and throughout Scripture we see men going to the mountain, Jesus himself going to the mountain to be a part with God, the mountain transfiguration, Abraham and Isaac, and on and on and on the, the stories go throughout Scripture of men being with God on the mountain, Moses. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about was having that power, seeing, that, seeing the hand of God in our homes. Uh, and we talked about this last week as well. You, you see what happens whenever there's division in the home. It, it just feels like everything's weak. It feels like you're powerless. It feels like there's defeat and not victory there um, because you're not in unity. You're not together. And the same thing in the body of Christ. We have got to be unified in all these things in order to see the power of God, in order to see the victory of God in our lives. And the church, again, for the kingdom of God. So we were left with a choice last week when we went to close, and it was this. We can either get on board and we can be a part of working for the kingdom of God and helping build the kingdom of God, or we can stay apart through our complacency, and let's be honest and frank, through our laziness and not engaging the purpose for which we exist on this earth for. And so again, we have that choice. We can either get on board or we can and help gather, or we can stay out of the boat and help scatter. So let's pray this morning. We're going to move forward in these next couple points. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. Thank you for what we have already been a part of, Lord, the, the worship uh, through song, the worship through being able to give back to you uh, a part of what you've given to us. Uh, Lord, we know that there's nothing we could give with our words. There's nothing we could give with our songs. There's nothing we could give and any amount of money back to you that could ever repay you for the debt that you, you paid on our behalf. God, we know that that's a reality. But God, we pray that it was uh, a blessing to you. We pray that we were pouring ourselves out and the praise was uh, a sweet uh, savor in your, in your nostrils, Lord. God, we pray uh, now that this word, that, that your word, 
this message would go out and it would touch every single one of our lives, wherever we're at, no matter what place in our walk with you we're at, that this message would speak to us and we would be ready to receive it. God, that our hearts, our minds would be ready. Uh, we would, would have them clear and clean, not preoccupied with any other thoughts, but just focused on you for these, these next several minutes, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you would do a great work. If there's someone here that is lost, it's, it's already been prayed in this service. That even hearing what you've done for them already in this, in this message, Lord, that they would, they would surrender their life today. They wouldn't, they wouldn't take a step outside of this building not knowing for sure that heaven's going to be their, their eternal home. Lord, help them just make that decision, just surrender their life to you today. Lord, we just give you the praise and the glory for what you do and what you will do. And again, just help us now. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have our Bibles in Luke chapter 11. It's going to be on the screen. We're going to pick up in verse 24. And when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, Jesus continued his teaching. Again, he was talking about, if you're not with me, uh, I mean, if you're with me, you're going to gather. If you're, uh, uh, if you're not with me, you're going to scatter. And he begins to explain something very important. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return to my house whence I came out. When he cometh and findeth it swept and garnished. Then he goes, then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Point number two is this in your notes. Unrepentance is the recipe for destruction. Unrepentance is a recipe for destruction. And that's, that's speaking uh, overall spiritually. Uh, if someone's not willing to repent of their sins and turn to Christ, turn away, that's what repentance means, to turn away from and turn to something then destruction is their eternal judgment. But it also brings about that in the life of a child of God. If we aren't willing to be sensitive and, and repent whenever we fall off the right track, whenever we're not going the right direction or when we fall into sin and we mess up, if we're not willing to say, God, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm going the wrong direction. I've done these things. I, I've messed up, Lord. I'm sorry and turn back to him. It's a recipe for destruction in our own life as a child of God. But the reason why it's a recipe for destruction is because sin is the cause of death. Very clearly, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so many people in this life think, well, I'll just turn over a good leaf. I'll just turn over a new leaf. I'll, I'll have a fresh start. I'll, I'll try to do better. They make New Year's resolutions. This year, I'm going to start going to church. This year, I'm going to start being better. This year, I'm going to stop doing this. This year, again, turn, trying to turn over those, those, those new leaves. Good works in place of true repentance and true faith and true surrender. Many people in, in their lives, they would rather just say, you know what, I'm just going to start doing better. I, I'm just going to start doing this versus repenting and trusting the Lord. And doing better and trying to do better and stopping bad habits and starting good ones, that's this good stuff. But again, it does not, it doesn't avoid the destruction that comes along with sin because we know the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. In our own strength, in our own power, there's no way that you and I could ever be good enough for God. That's why, again, the grace of God is so amazing. We don't deserve, we deserve to pay for our own sin, for our own mistakes, the things that we've done. We deserve that. That's justice. 
whenever you pay for what you've done. But that's the amazing mercy and love and grace of God is that he would say, I'll take their punishment, their destruction, their judgment for them. Number one, because I love them and I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want them to spend eternity. That's for Satan. That's for his, his followers. But number two, because they can't do it themselves. They can't save themselves. They can't get there themselves. There's no way they can. And so again, it doesn't work just trying to be better, turning over a, a new leaf. The, the Bible says this in Titus chapter 3, not by righteous works which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. There's nothing good enough that we could do to ever be saved. And guess what? The, in our walk with the Lord, our own righteousness is still filthy rags. When we get saved, it's Christ's righteousness that makes us presentable to God the Father. It's his righteousness covering us that enables us to approach the holy God of all creation. It's his righteousness in our life and over us that affords us those privileges. It's only him. It's all him. And the quicker that you and I learn that in our relationship with God, that, that it's formed by repentance and surrender and trust, but also that it grows through repentance, surrender and trust, the better off that we'll be. See, oftentimes you and I as Christians, if you're here and you're a child of God, we struggle and we fight and we try to, we try to live this life that pleases God in our own strength. We're trying, to, we're trying to fight and, 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 and battle and, and every day and, and, and you get up and you're like, it's just so hard to live this life that's pleasing to God in this world. And, and again, so many people get discouraged in that. So many people give up in that. Well, I'm just, I can't do it. I can't be as good as so-and-so. I can't live my life like they live. If you're a child of God, the process of our spiritual growth is laborious. It's, it takes a labor but and part of that is is in design by God God does that because just like with our our kids uh, sometimes our girls uh, and I've shared this before they'll uh, they'll say my, my knees hurting or my legs hurting and, and what is that what's going on whenever something just out of nowhere their knee or their, their ankle or their legs hurting what's that called growing pains and what do we tell them I'm sorry baby that's just part of growing up we all had to do it. We all had to deal with it. We all, those growth plates start expanding and, and our bones are growing and our muscles all, it's just part of growing up. It's just part of growing. That's the way it goes. Well, part of that in our spiritual life is true as well. There's, there's things that we go through. That it's, just, it's just hurtful and hard and, and difficult for us to get where God wants us to get. There's part of that. But the, I believe there's a whole lot in our life of Christians that we make harder than it actually has to be. And that's because we're trying to struggle, we're trying to do it in the power of our flesh, and we're trying to do things our way when we have surrendered to do things God's way, right? That's what happens. We say, Lord, I want your salvation. God, I give you my life. I surrender my all. I'm turning away from sin, and I want your free gift of eternal life. I believe Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. I believe his death on the cross is payment for my sin. His resurrection is promised for me to have eternal life, and I trust you. We do that, that surrender, we, 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 we go that direction, and then it doesn't go too much longer in our life, and what happens? We start trying to do it our own. We start trying to be 
who God wants us to be, our own, and then, if that's not what we're doing, we're trying to live our lives for us and say that we're living our lives for Him, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. We surrendered. Remember what the Bible says? You're no longer your own. You're bought with a price. We're no longer our own. We're bought with a price. So when we say, yes, Lord, apply that blood to my life, the blood that was shed on the cross, the only blood worthy to pay for my sin, apply it on my account, the payment, the atonement for my sin, apply it to me, I accept it. I trust Jesus as Lord. I trust him as my Savior. I give you my life. I give me my we, we make that surrender. That right there was us giving up our rights to live our lives for us. And that's why I believe the Christian life for many people becomes difficult to live in victory. It becomes difficult to get up and live in, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and living with, with, with the power of God in our life is because we forgot that it started with repentance. We forgot that, that it started with sur surrender and, and submission. And, and we just kind of start doing our own thing and, and now getting up and man, I just don't know if I can do it today. I've got to go work with those guys. I've got to go work with those ladies. I've got to, I've got to do this. And it's just so hard. You know, I, I get caught up in their conversations. I get caught up in their jokes. I, I get caught up in those thoughts and the things they're looking at and talking and doing, all this kind of stuff. It's just so difficult to, to, to be that light. I've got to remember it started with repentance. It started with surrender. It started with submission. God wants us to live our lives every day the way again that it started with open hands god i surrender i surrender so when we when we come to god and we say like this god i surrender i surrender all what is god able to do then he's then able to to give to us and to bless us with anything and everything that he wants as his children but, but sometimes, how do, how do we go through life? I can't let go. I don't want to let go. This is my stuff. This is my life. This is, this is, this is, this is, what, I, this is what I want. I don't, I don't want to have to. Repentance, surrender, submission, yielding. That's how it's formed. That's how our relationship grows. Several weeks back, we talked about being promoted, God's promotion in our life. God's never going to exalt a person that hasn't yielded themselves to him. God, God doesn't do that as far as in his ultimate scheme. Now, God will lift people up and he'll put people in positions, people like Pharaoh, even presidents, kings, to accomplish his overall purpose. And in, in the eternal scope of things, that makes sense to God. But in the temporal sense, sometimes we're like, why would that person ever be a president? Why would that person ever be a king? Why would that person ever be a Pharaoh who would want to destroy God's people? so that God could deliver them and bring about salvation in a miraculous way that they would never have any doubt that God alone was their God and their Savior. That's why God would do it. But they didn't see that in the moment. Just like us today, sometimes we question why people are in leadership, why people are in, uh, you know, leading uh, nations and, and kingdoms and stuff like that. I so said, why? I just don't understand that. Because God has a purpose in it. You and, I have a, you and I's call is to submit and surrender to God, stay in that yielded place and be those people he's called us to be. Again, it's that for everything. You want a relationship with God? Yield to him. 
You want a thriving relationship with God? Yield to him. It's not easy because that old man, as a child of God, the old man riles up and, again, is selfish, wants to live life for ourselves, wants to be in control of things, doesn't want to stay in that place of surrender because that's, there's not a whole lot of answers there in that place of surrender, right? That's what happens. Like we get our lives together. We've got our jobs. We've got our families. We've got this. We've got that. We've got it under control, and we feel like we've got a grip on things, and we don't want to stay in that place of the unknown, the surrender. Because we've got a good grip on stuff. But every day of our lives, we need to be, God, whatever you'd have for me to do. God, whatever you want from me. God, my life is yours. I want what, what you want from me. And that's a difficult place because, again, we want that security. We want that confidence, that comfort, that, that, that we, we got it and we're going to be okay. But that's trusting our stuff, that's trusting ourself, that's trusting everything else but God. You want healing and help from God, yield to Him. Stop fighting a battle that you can't win alone, that you can't win in your flesh. The Bible says this, promises, Romans chapter 8. It says that all things work to, for the good of them that are called according to him, that, that love Him, that are called according to His purpose. Further on in verse 31, it says that if God be for us, who can be against us? But we fight like God isn't on our side. We, we struggle, we hold, we battle. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. Look what it says. Don't be afraid of this great multitude. Don't be afraid of it. Why? Because the battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. We're in a spiritual battle, and yes, we have a part, but our greatest part in this spiritual battle is, is you know what it is? Surrender. Yielding to the Lord. Submitting to Him. You want God to bless your marriage, your home, your family? Yield to Him. Why are we talking about yielding and surrender here? Because again, repentance and surrender, repentance and faith, repentance and, and yielding go hand in hand. Remember what repent means? To turn away from and turn to something. Repentance is necessary to be saved, but it's also necessary to avoid the pitfalls, the, 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 the destructive paths that Satan is trying to lay in the life even of a child of God. We've got to stay sensitive to that. Repentance keeps us and sets us in the right place paternally, just as a father and a son relationship or a father and a daughter relationship. But people often cringe at that word repentance. You start talking about you need to repent, repentance, and, and all of a sudden it becomes this ugly, nasty word. And it's like, oh man, I don't like this because they're talking about repentance and repentance and repentance. But the people of God shouldn't see it as an ugly word. The people of God shouldn't think of it as a bad word. The people of God should see it as a freeing word. Because it was that repentance, that step of repentance that brought us life in eternal life. And if we see that on a daily basis, that repenting, if we're not right in our heart, if we're not right in our mind, if we're not right in the things that we're doing, repentance is the key. It's that door that's going to unlock that right relationship with God again. So repentance is a, is a precious word. God's afforded us this opportunity when we're going the wrong direction. Even as a child of God, we're going the wrong direction. God still, in his grace and his mercy, has given us an opportunity to say, Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm not right. I'm not going right. Forgive me. I want to go back right. I want to start going right again. 
What an amazing privilege, an amazing gift God has given to us. But let's not be naive to think the enemy is going to be easy or let off some in that, in that reality, in that battle. Because if repentance is the key, it's the door, it's, it's this amazing privilege that puts us back on the, the track to a right relationship with God, guess what the enemy is going to try to keep us from doing? Repenting. If we're going the wrong direction, if it's a heart, heart in the wrong spot, if it's hard, it's callous, it's cold, our mind, we're, we're, we're desiring things that we shouldn't desire, whatever the case may be, if we're going the wrong direction, doing the wrong things, we're set on the wrong page, we're helping scatter, we're not helping gather, all, all those things. If we're there and the enemy knows, man, they're just one step away. They're, ju they're just one, one decision away from, from turning away from that and turning back to God and, and going back the right direction from experiencing power and victory and, and fellowship with their father again and, and becoming effective in his, in his uh, kingdom. They're one step away. So guess what the enemy's going to do? He's going to try to scrap and battle and try to throw those darts at us in our minds and in our lives to try to keep us from turning back to the right direction. So he comes at us and says, you know what? You can't repent again of that you've already turned around once so now you, you can't repent again i mean you 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 got to that place before remember you you've struggled with this before and 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 you you've had those thoughts before. you went this direction before and and, and remember you were crying you were broken and you told god you were sorry and, and you turned back and you went this way for a long time you went this way or you went this back this way for for a short time and look where you find yourself again you're back here you're going to repent again that's just going to be a matter of time before you get, you're going to have to do it again. So you can't repent again. Just, just pretend that you're not in a bad place. Just, just disregard it. There's no sense in coming to God again and asking him to forgive you and asking him to help you turn from that place again. Besides that, how much of a hypocrite are you? you know, these darts that the enemy throws at us, they're good and they're effective. And we get trapped in this place where we think, you know what? How many times do I have to ask God to forgive me? How many times do I have to say, I'm, I'm changing my direction? How many times do I have to do this? Or maybe it's the next thought that goes with that. Maybe I'm too far gone to go back. Maybe now, maybe at one point in my Christian life, I, could, I, I turned around and I was going, and man, I, I, was, I was excited to share Christ. I was excited to read my Bible. I was excited to go to church, excited to sing about God, excited to pray. I was excited about doing and, and fellowshipping with the body of Christ. There was, I was thriving in my life, and, but, but then I messed up and I got back to this place, and then I, I haven't repented, and so I haven't turned around and got back on the right track so long that it's been, it's been too long, and, and, and now I'm too far gone. I've been gone too long, and I'm too far gone. There's no chance, there's no reason for me to turn back now. What if it's the actual offenses? There's not another Christian I know that has done this. There's nobody else that I know that thinks like this. There's nobody else that, that has done these things that's, that's so wrong and so bad. There's, there, I, I am, I've, I've done too much. I've done too much bad to repent. I am too far gone to repent. Satan's good. When we start believing those things, my heart's too cold. I've messed up too bad. I've been gone too long. 
All those things, Satan, you've done it too many times. You've asked forgiveness for the same things over and over and over again. How long are you going to say, God, I'm sorry? And then what about that, that, that way that he comes at us and we begin to think that we'll be okay without repenting? That, that complacency, that callous place. Maybe we're not dealing with any of that other stuff, but maybe we just get to a place where we're not really living in victory. We're not really living and helping gather. We're not in any of those places, but we're just existing. We're not living in victory. We're not living, we're not any of those things. We're just cruising along, coasting along. And we're okay in that place. We're okay not saying, I, I'm turning away from this place of complacency. I'm turning away. I, I, I can't really identify anything that I'm doing wrong, but that's what you've know, heard me say before. Sometimes the greatest sins, and I believe some of the greatest sins that are being accomplished today in 2017 among the children of God are sins of omission. Not so much the things that we're doing wrong, it's the things that we're not doing right that we're supposed to be doing because we got our lives and we got all this stuff and and, and we're okay being this and, and and living here in this place of not right fellowship with god of not helping gather of not living in victory not doing that we're okay just kind of existing and living our american christian lives and all this kind of stuff. We're, we're okay here but again we're missing everything that god has called us to be and, and experience in this life we need to repent from this place just as much as that person who's, who's, who's fallen into gross sin. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. You say, that's where I'm at. I, I'm just kind of existing. I show up at church. I live my life. I go to my job. I do my stuff. But I'm not thriving in my Christian life. I'm, 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 not, I'm not helping gather. I'm just kind of existing. Repentance is needed there as well. To have that relationship that God desires. To be that child that God desires. No, we're not worthy. No, we're not good enough. No, we don't deserve to turn back to God again. No, we don't deserve to turn from being that far gone. No, we don't deserve to be forgiven of that gross of sin. No, we don't deserve any of those things, but that's the way God's grace works. We don't deserve any of it, any, any good thing. But that's the amazing gift and the amazing key and the door of, un, of repentance is, is, is when we are convicted, we are convinced, we're in the wrong place, whether it's commission or omission, we can say, God, I repent, I'm sorry, I'm turning away from that, I'm turning back to you, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm pleading for your forgiveness, I'm begging for your mercy, I'm begging for your grace, and I want to be back in right fellowship with you, I want to be back living a life in victory for you, living a life that's helping gather for your kingdom and build your kingdom, instead of helping the enemy on the other side. And the last point this morning we'll find in verse 27, we move on uh, for time. It says this, and it came to pass, and he spake these things. A certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. He says, but he said, yea, rather blessed are they, listen, that hear the word of God and keep it. This, this woman is, oh my goodness, these teachings, these, this, this prophet, this man, this, this Messiah, he, blessed is the woman that gave birth to you, and that nurtured you, I mean, a gift from, from God. And Jesus turns around and says, listen, I am come from the Father. I am God in the flesh. I am the Word incarnate. I'm coming to visit 
my creation. And I'm going to tell you about blessing. Blessing. And blessed is the person who hears these words and keeps them. So point number three is this. Unwavering obedience is the recipe for blessing. You've heard me ask this many times before, but I'll ask it again. You don't have to raise your hand, but I don't, I don't think there's anybody in here if I said, how many people want to be blessed by the hand of God? I think every person in here would say, yeah. I, I mean, I think even if you, if you ask people that were uh, lost in darkness, that were still lost, that are still, uh, they aren't saved, they're not Christians. I think if you ask a person like that, hey, uh, it, 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 say, well, what if they don't believe in a God? Well, let's just put it in a, in a, in a, sup- a suppository way. Just suppose there was a God. And suppose you had an option of being either blessed of God or not blessed of God. Would you want to be blessed of God? I think most lost people, absolutely. If there was a God and he blessed people, there was an option of being blessed or not being blessed, yes. We as the children of God know that God blesses. So if we had the option of saying, I want God to bless my marriage, I want God to bless my family, I want God to bless my job, I want God to bless my life, I want God's hand of blessing in my life, I think every single one of us would say, yeah, I'm in that group. Jesus just gave us the recipe for blessings. Unwavering obedience is that recipe. But it's only through the perversion of various movements and false teachings that we have this reservation when we think about, well, God's blessing. Uh, again, there's, there's all kinds of health and wealth, name and claim it. God's word is very clear. God does bless his children. God does bless his children who are obedient. He blesses those that are his own who walk in his ways. And again, you'd have to be a fool to refuse God's blessings if they were offered to you on a platter. Here they are. Jesus is blessed is the one who hears these words and keeps them. You want blessings? Here it is. Here it is on a platter. Here's here's how you receive my blessings. You'd have to be a fool to refuse it. The Bible says he's given us every spiritual blessing that we need to live a life that's victorious for his kingdom. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, is what the scripture says. But on top of that, he's poured out so many other blessings. We went to a concert Friday night, and there was a gentleman representing an organization there. And he began to talk about how the, the, the struggle was in his marriage, and it produced a song. And, um, you know, he, he was explaining all that. And then he began to explain what God did through his, in his life uh, through... Uh, an experience he had on a mission trip and uh, he realized uh, how blessed he was by simply seeing what a little boy had to do to get one jug of water for his family for a day and he began to talk about how he went down and he had this five gallon bucket and they were supposed to go down this mountain it took an hour to get down there get the water took an hour to get back up the mountain to get to the village with that five gallon bucket and then while he was down there he saw this little boy that was waiting there with his jug and and he asked well what's this little boy and they said well everybody's fighting to get to the water because that was where the life source is in the water they said well he's got to get in there and get that water and nobody's there to help him all adults are pushing and stuff and he he's a little kid he can't do it and so this guy said i helped him get get his water jug got my five gallon we got his jug and we started up the mountain so when he got to the top of the mountain an hour later he said i was wore out five gallons of water is a lot of water to carry up a mountain that takes an hour so he gets up there 
But the boy continued on. So he asked the translator, where's he going? He said, well, he's still got another hour walk with that jug of water. That man was so changed, he came back home, and, and he, he said, I've never been so grateful for water. We are so blessed in this nation. He had a bottle of water, so I've never had to worry about where I was going to get this, where I was going to get fresh water to drink. I've never had it once. Think about it. I can get a bottle. I can open a sink. As I got back home, and I began to actually lay hands on every water source that I had and thank God for the sources of water that were just in my house. He said, he, I began to go around and count the, the, the amount of sinks that I had in my kitchen, the amount of sinks that I had throughout my bathrooms, the faucets that were in my laundry room, the, the, the spigots on the outside of the house. He said, I had 17 sources of water just in my house. In my house. And that boy, every day, had to walk two hours one way to get just a jug that wouldn't, wouldn't flush one toilet in his house one time back at home. He said, we are blessed. We are so blessed. God has not only given us everything we need to live a life of godliness and, and, and to live in victory and to be the church and to experience everything that he's called us to experience. On top of that, as Americans in this nation, he has just flooded us. And the guy said, I, I don't, we can't even call it blessings anymore. And you've heard me say this before. I don't think we can call them blessings anymore. Let's just call it what it is. We are spoiled. We are spoiled. That, our mindset is, is that, that of spoiled people. And that's the reality. That's just, that's just the honest truth. If we'll be honest, then we can, we can approach our lives in a better way. And that's where we're at. We're spoiled. Most of us in the flesh, again, would take the blessings of God without the obedience that comes along with that. But that's not how it works. Yes, the Bible says God calls it to rain on the just and the unjust. Absolutely. But it's only to the obedient that, are, that enter into those bountiful blessings that God promises from his right hand. It's only to those. Don't believe it? Trace every single endeavor of the nation of Israel throughout Scripture and see if that wasn't the case. Do a Bible study. I encourage you to do that. I also encourage you to do another Bible study. See how many times in God's word that the blessings were conditional upon something that, that his children were asked to do. If you, well, let's just think about this, a prayer that's been prayed for this nation, a, a, prayer, that, a prayer of repentance, and something that we say, God, we want God to bless our nation. We need to return back to God. We, we, we need God's hand on it. What is it, 2 Chronicles 7, 14? What's the very first word in that verse? If my people who are called by my, if you'll do this, do a word study. Find out how many of those things are in the Bible. I would, I'd love to hear it back. Let's do a challenge this week. Find out how many times, say, oh, I don't know if I have time to do that big of a study. How many ifs are in the Bible that are conditional promises or conditional upon uh, blessings upon response of people? But what an amazing study that would be. You know, not too much because, you know, some people are going to go in there and, and, and do it the easy way, right? We're going to Google it. How many ifs associated with the promise of God? Spoil, yeah. But again, none of them deserves, none of the blessings deserve, but all by God's grace. And I, again, I'll stand here and I'm, I, I'll say it unashamed because we're all in the same boat. I want God's blessings on my life. 
I want it in my marriage. I want it in my home. I want it, I want it every place of my life. I want God's blessings in my life. And, and beyond me, selfishly speaking, I want God's blessings in all of your lives. I want it in all of our lives together on this church. I want God's blessing. But we cannot deceive ourselves and pretend that we're going to have the hand of God bless us bountifully without obedience to him. Obedience unlocks it. Again, God says many times, if you will an act of obedience, then I will a promise of blessing. Many times. And let's get this straight as the musicians make their way. God doesn't need us to do his work. He's God. I mean, he, he spoke and, and, and creation came. The Bible says that he breathed out the, the, the stars. I, I mean, God, God could do Whatever he wanted, he's God, he's limitless. But God has chosen us. He's chosen his church to be the vehicle, to be the ambassadors, to accomplish his will, his eternal purpose in this temporal realm. God has chosen us. That's, again, something we don't deserve. It's something that none of us, I mean, it's an overwhelming thought. Man, the God of all creation who spoke things, who, who has the power of death and life in his hands that, that can bless us beyond blessing, that can can do all these things. God wants me. And here, here comes the enemy again. But you're not worthy. I mean, look at what's going on in your life. Look at the thoughts you struggle with. Look at the things you deal with. Repent and obey. And God's blessings begin to flow. Again, we don't deserve it. That's amazing grace. There's a song that I can't wait for us to do as a church. Many of you are familiar with it. This is amazing grace. It's amazing love. God is so good to us. We are so undeserving. But our obedience displays our alignment with who he is. Our obedience displays our alignment with his will over our will. Our obedience shows our alignment with his kingdom rather than our kingdom. And I want to challenge you this morning. Let's make sure. Let's make sure that we don't miss out on what God has for us because of our disobedience. As they begin to play it, I'll share a quick story and we'll close. Years ago, Rochelle's uncle gave me a collection of memorabilia, sports memorabilia, memorabilia. Uh, very, very costly uh, now, especially. Um, and I was overwhelmed. I, I, was, I was thinking, wow. This is, I don't deserve this. I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing gift, amazing expression of love. This is an amazing thing. And uh, great value again. And I thought, you know, man, that's awesome. And that's valuable. And that was special. And that, you know, I'll always remember that. It's not so much the value or the stuff that I have. It's the fact that he... Without, I couldn't give him nothing. He wouldn't take nothing. So he just gave it to me. It's just an overwhelming thought. What a gift. I want to challenge you. Let's, let's keep in check our view of God's blessings. Because if we, if we live as spoiled people, then we'll forget how, how valuable the blessings are. And behind the blessings the heart of the one who's blessing us.
Let's remember how good God is to us. But let's not forget. It's only through our unwavering obedience that those blessings come pouring out in our life. And if you're here today, we've talked about it already, you've never repented of your sin, a life living for yourself, living for the world, living for sin, doing what you want to do. If you've never turned away from that and turned to Jesus Christ in faith, surrendering your life, so you know what, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm not living for this sin, these sins. I'm not living for my money, my job. I'm, not living. I'm turning away from a life of me and turning to a life of Christ. If you've never done that before, you gotta realize that that opportunity was given to you by what we've talked about, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, the resurrection of Christ from, from the dead, all on your behalf. The opportunity to turn from your sin and turn to God and have a relationship with God was afforded to every single person by that grace, by that death on the cross and the resurrection. And if you've never made that choice to turn away from your life and turn to Christ, I want to invite you today to do that. We'll have two ministers down here. And yeah, you say, man, that's kind of embarrassing to make that walk. But think about this. The walk from your seat to here may be the difference from an eternity in heaven and eternity in hell. How, how, how hard is that walk? If you knew, man, I was, I, was, I was 20 feet away. I was 40 feet away. I was 50 feet, 60 feet away from making a decision. And you can make the decision there in your seat. I'm not saying it has to be made here. But I encourage you to come here so somebody can show you in Scripture what the Bible says about making that decision even further. But for us Christians, I hope that you take these points, the points that we saw today. And we've got to make sure that we keep repentance as a real thing in our life to make sure our relationship with God stays going the right course. The moment we stray off a little bit, we repent and get back on the, on the right page. And that we don't forget that God's blessings are valuable and they're unlocked by obedience. We can just cruise along and, and, and be spoiled children and, and not appreciate the blessings and not be focused on obeying the Lord. And so I want to encourage you today. Maybe you just want to come down to the altar and say, Lord, Thank you for being so good to me. Or maybe you're in that place of that unrepentance that we talked about, sins of omission. You know you're not in the right place. You know you're not going the right direction. And you need to repent. You need to get back going the right direction. Or maybe you're in a place that you've been doing and struggling with the same things, the wrong things too long. And you know you need to repent and get back going the right direction. You can come to this altar and, and, and make that decision right now. I'm humbling myself before you, God. I'm making that walk. I'm, I'm going to kneel before you. And I'm going to turn around, turn around and I'm going to start going the right direction again with your power. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this message, God. Thank you for the challenge that you've given to me in this. But also thank you for the encouragement, the strengthening that you've given to me in this. And I pray that it would have done the same to every single member of this church, to our guests. Lord, and if there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with you through faith, God, they've never turned around, they've never turned to you never placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I pray you'd move them today. That they wouldn't wait, they wouldn't hesitate, they wouldn't leave this place, they would come right now. And they would settle that matter, the most important matter that we all have to face in this life. A matter, matter of eternal life versus eternal death. I pray you'd move them today. And God, they'll make that decision. Now just move now and we'll praise you for what you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.